0: Father, as we come now to your word, help me to preach it faithfully and clearly. By your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see Jesus in your word and fill us with certainty and hope of his resurrection. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've always loved that moment when uh, the penny drops And Someone understands the Bible as a whole for the first time Uh, for many years I've been teaching this Bible overview course where we work from Genesis to Revelation and uh, What I've found is that for many people the Old Testament is a part of the Bible that they tend to avoid You know with all the Old Testament narratives and prophets and laws and all that many find it hard to make sense of it I mean, what's it got to do with Jesus? What's it got to do with with them today? Uh, But inevitably, the moment comes, somewhere halfway through the course, when the penny drops and suddenly it all makes sense to them, how the Bible is all one story and how it's all about Jesus and his gospel. And for many people, it's not only exhilarating, but it's actually life-transforming as well. And it's that same kind of penny-dropping, life-transforming experience that we see in this passage in Luke 24 as the risen Jesus appears to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus and explains How he fulfills all of the Old Testament? Scriptures now Luke tells us in his introduction that his goal in writing this is that we will have certainty About the things we've been told his goal is achieved as he writes a narrative of all the things that Jesus has fulfilled so as he goes through and explains the life of Jesus the death of Jesus the resurrection of Jesus He's always showing how it fulfills the Old Testament, because he wants us to be sure it's all come according to God's plan, and Jesus really is the Christ. And that's supremely the case in chapter 24. We see the disciples moving from doubt and disillusionment to certainty and joy as they realize that Jesus' death and resurrection are a fulfillment of the Old Testament. Well, let's begin. And the passage begins with these two disciples disillusioned in the wake of the death of Jesus. Verse 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So they've been in Jerusalem, they've witnessed the horrific events of Jesus' death and must have shaken them to their very core. And not only that, they've been told about the news of his resurrection as well. We're told in verse 10 and 11 that the women returned from the empty tomb. They reported to the disciples that Jesus was alive. But to the apostles, these words seemed like an idle tale. They didn't believe them. And apparently, even though Peter rushed to the tomb, he finds it empty. He sees the linen cloths all folded by themselves. Apparently, these two disciples still don't believe that he's really alive. And so they walk out of Jerusalem, downcast, as they talk about all these things. It seems like they've decided to move on, to just go back to their old lives, to forget about their hopes. And perhaps they're like us as well. I mean, after all, we've just heard a whole week about the death and resurrection of Jesus at Easter, and it could be tempting to just move on, go back to our old lives, forget about all that happened go back to building our careers, enjoying our retirement, focusing on our children, our grandchildren, enjoying our hobbies, and just forgetting the whole Easter thing. Because we don't really believe that he's alive and that it really makes a difference. That's what these two disciples are doing. Uh, Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising. Now, this is the first resurrection appearance in Luke. The women saw the empty tomb and they heard the angel. Peter saw the linen cloths, but no one yet has seen Jesus. And even these two, they don't recognize Jesus initially too, perhaps because of how he's dressed or his (laughs) resurrection body looks different or perhaps they're just not really expecting to see a dead man alive. But whatever the reason is, it seems like Jesus deliberately hides himself from them because he first wants them to see him in the scriptures before they see him with their eyes. It's good to see Jesus with our eyes, that would be nice, isn't it? But it's far more important that we first see him in the scriptures. So he, he, he prompts them, he said to them, what's this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? So they, as they talk about what's happened, they, just, they stand still with shock. They're still in grief about what's happened. All their hopes and dreams about Christ dashed. And they're shocked that this man apparently is the only one who's never heard about all that's happened. But Jesus prompts them a bit more. Verse 19, he said to them, What things they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. So they they recall in their heart, with heavy hearts, all that's happened is teaching with such authority, the way he healed the sick, drove out demons, fed thousands, even raised the dead, they had believed Jesus was the Christ, the one who'd come and save his people and usher in the kingdom of God. His miracles, his teaching, it all confirmed he was a prophet sent from God. But you see the sadness and the confusion in their hearts. In verse 21, we had hoped. He was the one to redeem Israel. As he rode in on that donkey in Jerusalem, they were expecting Jesus to liberate them, to free them from the oppressive rule of the Romans, to usher in the kingdom of God. They weren't expecting him to be arrested by their own chief priests and rulers. They weren't expecting him to be condemned to death and certainly not to be crucified. They had once hoped he was the one to redeem Israel, but not anymore. His death is the end of all that. Despite all the appearances, maybe he wasn't the Christ at all. Their expectations were false. It was time to move on. I guess we can imagine their sadness and their grief. And yet it seems Jesus' death wasn't the end of it. Because they also tell their travelling companion about his reported resurrection. We're looking at Luke 24 and verse 22. Luke 24 verse 22. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying they'd even seen a vision of angels that said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So they've been told the tomb is empty. They've been told that the body's missing. They've been told that Jesus is apparently alive but they haven't seen him personally, at least they don't realize that he's right in front of them, what were they to make of all that has happened? How could they make sense of all this? Actually, they have all the pieces of the puzzle in their hands, don't they? They've got you know, his teaching, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, all the pieces of the gospel are there, but they can't make sense of it. Because it only makes sense in the light of the Old Testament Scriptures. It only makes sense in the light of God's salvation plan. You see, they're they're actually confused. They're hopeless. They're ready to move on because they haven't yet understood how the Old Testament is fulfilled by all these things. And then, of course, that could be the case for some of us as well. Have been here over Easter. We've read the Gospels maybe many times, we've heard lots of Easter sermons, but it hasn't really clicked yet. But everything's about to change for these two. They are about to make sense of his death and resurrection. And not only that, but God's whole plan of salvation from the very beginning. Because Jesus is just about to reveal himself. So that's the second point. Jesus revealed. Jesus revealed. So having listened to all this conversation, Jesus now rebukes the disciples for their failure to understand his death and resurrection in the light of the Old Testament. He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? So he explains to them, rather than being shocked and unexpected and grieving and all of that, they should have expected these things to happen. Was it not promised long ago? Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. If they'd understood the Old Testament, they'd know it had to happen this way. And then the risen Jesus reveals himself through the Scriptures. We read in verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself That's the job of a preacher, isn't it? To preach Christ in all the scriptures We won't find Christ apart from looking at the scriptures, will we? And notice the repetition of the word all here all the prophets all the scriptures Jesus explains that all of it all the Old Testament is about him Noah and the flood Daniel and the lion's den, Jonah and the fish, the Exodus, the law, the sacrificial system, the conquest of the land, the temple, the kings, the exile and the return, all of the Old Testament, every book, every chapter, it's all about Him. And what in particular? The Christ should suffer these things and enter His glory. It's all about the death. And the resurrection of jesus and so jesus rebukes these two disciples if they'd understood the old testament they wouldn't have been so surprised by the death and resurrection of jesus so jesus opens their eyes to see him in the old testament to see him as the fulfillment of all god's plans and purposes and that's what luke himself has been doing all throughout his gospel, But I wonder for you yourself, uh, when you read the Old Testament, do you see Christ there? Do you see how he is being foreshadowed and promised in every chapter, every book? Here's a few examples. Noah. Right? God used the ark to save Noah. That points forward to the day God will save the world from his judgment through Jesus. Or Abraham, God promises to bless all the world through Abraham. He does that through Jesus as he dies on the cross and the whole world can be forgiven the sacrifices They offered all these sacrifices for sin. Jesus dies as the perfect sacrifice the temple God dwells with his people Jesus becomes the the true temple God with us Emmanuel Jesus is the true king descended from David. He's the suffering servant who bears the sins of his people He's the Passover lamb. His blood is shed so that God's judgment will pass over us. We could go on and on here, really. But the Old Testament, from beginning to its end, it's all about Christ. It's all about his death. His death as our saviour, suffering God's judgment for our sin. His resurrection as our king, to rule forever. So let me say, if you've never had a chance to do a Bible All Review course before, and I commend it to you, It would be a wonderful experience where I think you'll see how all these things fit together. But I think no Bible overview course will be better than the one that these two two people had, uh, with Jesus himself as the teacher, showing them all these things. Well, having revealed himself through the Scriptures, then Jesus reveals himself through the breaking of the bread. We read in verse 28, They drew near to the village to which they were going, He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now fast spent. So he went in to stay with them. They want Jesus to stay with them. Not because they know it's Jesus. They haven't recognized him yet. They want him to stay. I guess because he's helped them to see Jesus in the Old Testament. They don't want their Bible overview class to end, do you see? Their hearts are, are on fire. They're so enthralled by all that he's taught them. that It's all starting to make sense for the first time and they just want this to, to go on and on. And, of course, that was Jesus' intention from the beginning. That's, that's why he hid himself from them. That's why he asked them about all these things that was happening, why he unpacked the Scriptures to them. He, Jesus wanted them, and Luke wants us, to meet Jesus in the Scriptures, to see who he really is in the light of the Old Testament. But now that's all completed, now he allows them to see him with their eyes as well. So verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he vanished from their sight. It's a beautiful ending, if not a rather surprising one, isn't it? This meal reminds us of the Lord's Supper, of course. It speaks of the fellowship we have with Jesus through his death. He's been with them all along. But now as they eat, their eyes are opened and they, they recognize it's him. He's risen. They see it for themselves. But only for a moment. Then he's, he's gone. He vanishes. Almost as quickly as they recognize him, he's gone, he's off. But now they know it doesn't matter. Because they can see him anytime in the Scriptures. It doesn't matter whether they can see him with their eyes. Anytime they can open their Bible and see him. So in the final verses, we see the transformation that occurs in the disciples, having met Jesus in the Scriptures. And in the supper is a final one, confidence restored. Confidence restored. Verse 32, they said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? So one moment, they're sad, hopeless, despondent, ready to move on. The next moment, their hearts are on fire. <laughs> they're more alive than they have ever been before. Their faith is renewed. Their hope is restored. It may even be the time that they were you know, fully converted for the first time. And now notice it doesn't say their hearts burned within them as they broke the bread and ate the supper with Jesus. That's not what it says, is it? Their hearts burned as he opened the Scriptures to them. That's where our focus should always be. And I guess sometimes what happens in church is we... We sleep through the sermon. Maybe we think the preach is going on too long. I don't know. We tune out. We're just waiting for the bread and the wine later on. That misses the point, especially the point of this passage. We meet Jesus in the Scriptures. So what about you? Do you treasure God's Word? Do you come to church because you want to hear it? You want to meet Jesus in the Bible? Or is your focus on the bread and wine only? The experience of these two disciples is meant to be our experience as well. As we search the scriptures, it's not meant to be just knowledge for our heads, but it will set our hearts alive, transform us within like a burning fire. And look at the difference, verse 33. They rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They were off on the road to the world back to the world, back to their old lives. They said it was too late at night. We can't go any further tonight. But the moment they see Jesus, they're off. In the dark, in the night, they're back to Jerusalem. They're back on the road to discipleship. And they found the eleven and those with them gathered, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and appeared to Simon. They told what had happened on the road, how he was known to them in the breaking. Of the bread. so how do we know Jesus is really alive? He's really risen that the gospel is real and we can build our lives upon it Well Luke records this resurrection appearance to assure us that he's really alive But he's kind of showing us that that resurrection appearance wouldn't be enough without the scriptures themselves and so, praise God, it means that we can actually enjoy the same confidence, certainty, joy, life transformation as those two people, even if we don't see Jesus face to face. Because anytime time we can meet Jesus, we can open our Bibles and recognize Jesus as the fulfillment of all God's plans. We can know he came not just to redeem Israel, but the whole world. And that all who put their faith in him, his death is not a defeat, or a tragedy, but his glorious victory over sin and Satan that opens the gates of paradise. We can see his resurrection giving us the hope of eternal life. So I wonder for you this morning, will you find Jesus afresh in the scriptures? Make it your aim again to read the Bible, including the Old Testament, for yourself and keep thinking. How does this point you forward to Jesus? The resurrection appearances came and went. But you can meet Jesus any time in his word. Let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus revealed himself to those two disciples. That they may see him in the scriptures. And we thank you that in those same scriptures we can see him today. So we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes that as we meet Jesus in your word, our faith would be renewed, our hope restored, that we could live again for the Lord Jesus, turning from the world and embracing the way of the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.